It's Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025 The Game. Big hour today on the show. You'll have your chance to qualify for the Winter Classic Celebration flyaway, so that'll happen uh, at some point here in the near future. Unfortunately for the Titans, breaking news, they have made a roster move. Malcolm Butler has been placed on IR uh, and the Titans have re-signed Ty Smith, the corner who somehow, someway, always finds his way onto the roster. I don't know how. It's like a six-year thing with Ty Smith. He has always been at the back of the roster. But Ty Smith is back, Malcolm Butler to IR, so the Titans have to move forward without Malcolm Butler. So we'll get to Butler first, then we'll get to the Tannehill thing. Floyd, your thoughts on what this means to the defense, because I think Malcolm Butler's pretty good. Well, yeah, Malcolm's pretty good, and Malcolm was having a pretty good year. You know, that being said, he, he's capable of a mistake now and then. Um, you know, maybe doesn't have great hands. And so, you know, one of these guys, Sims or Smith or whoever it is, is going to have to come in and and uh, and play and play good. You know, you're not asking him to be a starter, uh, but you are asking him to – to cover a third if, in fact, we get in that situation. And I'm going to just guess that this weekend might be one of those situations simply because they've got receivers and tight everywhere. Oh, this weekend is, hey, LaShawn, run. (laughs) Because that's what they're going to do. I think it puts more pressure on Adoree Jackson. You know, Adoree's had a so-so season this year. I thought Adoree played really well on Sunday against Carolina. Adoree's had a so-so season. Well, now Adoree's going to have to have a really good season. Because we know Logan's going to do his job, but Adoree is going to have to really step up and, and not have a so-so season, but have a really good season for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all going to have to pick it up a little bit. they got to, you know, it's what happens when somebody gets hurt. Next guy comes up, everybody else has got to turn it up half a notch. I know, but sometimes you just have to look at it and say, like, I, I don't think there's a lot LaShawn Sims is going to be able to do on Sunday against Kansas City, but I know Adoree can like, to me, there's a difference because Adoree can do it. I know he can do it. I know he can play corner in this league at a high level. Now, can he do it for the seven games that are left? My gut probably tells me no. But that's just because we haven't seen it yet. Uh, so that's where the Titans are. Malcolm Butler goes to IR. Floyd, is it fair to say, in an evaluation of Ryan Tannehill so far, of uh, yeah, they made the change to quarterback, but they're only 2-1 and one since they went to Tannehill, so it's not like he's setting the world on fire. Or, when you watch the games and you see the way that he's operating, that you say to yourself, Ryan Tannehill has done a great job as the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. When you watch Ryan Tannehill, do you just brush off his performance so far because they're only 2-1? and one? Or do you see a lot of positives with Tannehill as the team starting quarterback? Well, I mean, you don't get too excited because he's only played three games. You know, that being said, I, I don't think you can – there's any doubt that we're better doing a lot of things. And, you know, you look at what what this offense has done in the red zone. They have been just outstanding. Um, you know, they've gone out and they've they've put up 400 yards with the offense a couple of two of the three weeks and 300 yards of passing two of the three weeks. So, is that a, is that a step in the right direction? Without a doubt, it's a giant step in the right direction. You know, it's and the, the question with Daniel is going to be the same question it would have been with Marcus at some point in time, which is what what do you 
going to need out of the quarterback? What do you need? And if you're, you know, if you're thinking, hey, I want a guy that's going to lead the league in passing, then, you know, you're probably not going to be happy. I want a guy that can win games and be solid and, you know. Daniel's throwing for 300 okay. a game, though. I yeah. mean, Marcus Marcus was a 220-a-game guy, basically. Tannehill is a 300-a-game guy. Like, Tannehill is a legitimate 300 yards a game passer. Tannehill puts the, money on, puts the ball in the money. Tannehill throws a really good ball. I mean, the mistakes that happened on Sunday, for the most part, weren't his fault. I mean, even the play, the interception where he threw it right to the safety and too deep, the receiver made a terrible play on the ball. Yeah, I mean, he and that was a, you know, he's, he's just... He had to throw it. Pray, sure, he's, he's yeah. praying. You know, he's... At that point in the a game, regular, At a regular point in the game, you know, where you're really... I mean, he doesn't throw that ball. But he's saying to himself, hey, you know, what do you got to lose? Something special has got to happen. Maybe we get a pass interference. Maybe it's tipped and he gets it. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe. And the truth is, you know, the guy got the ball. I think I'm the only person that believes this, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. I think Ryan Tannehill has done a great job as the backup quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, or I should say as the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. I think he's done a great job. I watch him play quarterback, and I say, that is a real quarterback. That is a starting NFL quarterback. He's got nice size. He throws with good zip. He makes he makes guys that we forgot about, like Tajay Sharp. He makes them actual players on the football field. He's done a good job. And I just hope that we don't sit back and say, well, you know, Tannehill turns it over more than Mariota, and Tannehill is only 2-1, and one, and Tannehill didn't score any points in the first half. I mean, to me, Tannehill, he's smart. He's getting pass interference calls. Like, I am ecstatic thinking of what Ryan Tannehill has done at quarterback. It bothers me that the quarterback can go out there and have the performance he had on Sunday against Carolina and have the whole rest of the offense screw it all up. Everybody out there except for him. Deion Lewis fumbles the ball. Taylor Lewan gets two penalties. Nate Davis gets another penalty. They, you know, A.J. Brown ball hits him in the hand. It's an interception. I mean, in all seriousness, I thought Tannehill was excellent on Sunday against against Carolina. You made him the number one thing you liked in the game yesterday on the show. You said on three up, you said Tannehill was the number one thing you liked. Tannehill is great in the red zone. I mean, he even showed a couple of runs on Sunday. You know, the one where he took off to the left and he picked up something like 20 yards and then the one that for the touchdown. Tannehill's got some wheels now, but he's not looking to run. I mean, I really like Ryan Tannehill. I, I don't know. Again, it's only three games. But what's the big difference between Tannehill and Stafford or that kind of quarterback? Like, they played Monday Night Football, the Packers and the Lions, and you said, do either two of our guys throw the ball like that? Ha, ha, ha. Tannehill does throw the ball like that. Tannehill throws a rocket, and it is accurate, and I like Ryan Tannehill. So I know they're only 2-1, and one, and I know they got a lot of problems. But to me, Ryan Tannehill is not a problem. If anything, it is a plus with the way Ryan Tannehill is playing quarterback. Well, I mean, because I always say the ultimate decision for whoever's going to be making it is if, in fact, he's the guy. You know, is he the guy that can get you over the hump? And uh, and somebody a lot smarter than I am is going to have to make that decision. No, it's not. Somebody the, who is not as smart as you is going to have to make that decision. The... the uh, 
you know, I, I'm not sure how objective our views are simply because of what we've seen for the Marcus last was so little bad. bit. Yeah. So I'm not sure that, you know, we'll, we'll get some kind of a little bit of a better picture probably this weekend when we see him going against a guy that you know is for real. Ian, do you like Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> I think he's okay. I like Ryan Tannehill. I like him. I'm not saying I love him. I'm not saying I think he's the franchise quarterback of the Titans. I'm not. I, I like Ryan Tannehill. At least he's not a major problem right now. I'll give him that. What we're used to. To me, that's the that's the opposite though. Like Mariota, for the most part, you would he would make mistakes, and you could easily blame the mistakes on other people, which it was valid because a lot of this offense sucks. So you could say okay, but with Tannehill. I mean, the, the offense plays terribly, and he still throws for 300 yards. He still put them in position. He put them in position to have a chance in that game, and the kicker just can't make kicks. To me, I like Ryan Tannehill. I, you all can, can poo-poo Ryan Tannehill all you want and say, well, you know, it's 2-1, it's what he is, it's not that easy. I like Ryan Tannehill, and I think the Titans have something there, and that's what makes this so disappointing is that they can't figure out how to win. We, we always used to blame the quarterback when they wouldn't win, and now they're getting good contributions the last three weeks from the quarterback, and they couldn't win on Sunday. Yeah, but again, Sunday, the team you saw Sunday is not even the Titans. I mean, you know, since Tannehill got here. I mean, I, I, we're, we're placing all the blame on Sunday because Sunday was such a mess. But that's not the team that we saw two weeks prior. And that's why Sunday was such a shock to everybody. I mean, we have not been that team. So I don't know where that team came from. It sure picked an awful time to pop its ugly head up. But, you know, we just need that team to die and be gone and go back to to, to the team we were and see how many of these things we can pull out. Let's get your phone. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. Do you think Tannehill's been okay? Or are you like me and you think, hey, Tannehill's been pretty good. Now, everything else has been a dumpster fire, but Tannehill's been pretty good. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Plus, did Tannehill find himself in an eerily similar position as Marcus Mariota on Sunday? We'll discuss. Jared and the GM live from the wholesaling studio powered by RumbleOn.com. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Ryan had a couple turnovers yesterday, obviously, and the first half struggles for the entire offense. But overall, did you still like the operation and the way things worked with him? Yeah, I thought it was – I mean, there were some plays that he'd like to have back like a lot of other players. and um, But I think that there was um, some signs of, of good football. You know, it's tough to operate that, that continued two-minute drill with a continued um, drop-back pass uh, mentality over and over. But uh, I felt like he stood in there. He took, took some shots. Scramble was a huge play. Um, again, there were some, some reads I think he would have liked to have back, but I felt like there was, um, there was a lot of positives, too. That was Vrabel on Ryan Tannehill. Floyd, do you have a thought on Tannehill, or do you want to go to the people? Let's go to the phones. To the phones we go on Ryan Tannehill, who, again, I think Tannehill played really well on Sunday. I do. And I think Tannehill is doing a good job. Now, everybody else around him stinks. And Marcus ran into that as much as anybody in the league where everyone around him stunk. And Tannehill ran into that on Sunday as well. 
Mookie is going to kick us off. Good to hear from you, Mookie. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a a beautiful day because it has been maybe three years that I tried to tell you that Tannehill was equal to or as good as Marcus, and I kept my mouth shut. They signed Tannehill, and I never would have thought in a million years that he literally beat him out, and he did. Marcus helped him do that. But, and Marcus is on his way to the same path that I told you of the category that he was in three years ago. He's about to get it at best, a Bortles deal, maybe. Um, he's Tannehill, Dalton, all those things included. He was mismanaged, I'll give you that. But I'm just glad to hear you fall on the sword to a certain degree because you used to say Tannehill sucks. And I used to hate that. But Tannehill is as good or better than Marcus. He's equally as athletic. He played wide receiver in at Texas A&M. He's not equally as athletic. Well, I, I do, when you mentioned that scramble where he went 20 yards, I think you, you don't play wide receiver at a D1 institution and, and put up some, some comparable numbers at wide out in the SEC or maybe been the Big 12 when he was there. But you don't do that not be an athletic guy. So, no, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not athletic, but he's not Marcus. Well, Marcus got tentative as he got gun-shy. So Marcus wasn't the same athletic as he was when he got in the league. No, I mean, if your argument argument right now is that Tannehill's better than Mariota, I'm not going to disagree with that, especially with the lack of confidence that Mariota had. I don't have an argument. I'm just simply saying that it's, it's lovely to hear you fall on the sword finally and agree that he doesn't suck because it wasn't that I always, that I thought Tannehill was that much better than Marcus. It was just that I didn't think you could say one sucked and the other one was on the verge of being franchised. They're essentially closer to being the same than they are being different, man. Yeah, thank you for your call. I mean, Floyd, we went over the stats before Tannehill took the job. And, like, the completion percentage, the record win percentage, like, everything with Marcus and Tannehill was incredibly similar. You're almost identical. Except Tannehill throws for more yards and more interceptions. Mookie is is right on that point. Well, he has been a longtime Mariota hater, so that is... You know, within the realm of of where, I'm, you know, but again, what happened to Tannehill on Sunday where everybody on the team let him down, that happened to Marcus a lot, too, over the last couple of years. That's what made evaluating Marcus and whether or not Marcus was any good so hard because there'd be so many games you're like, well, the receiver screwed everything up or the line stunk or the, you know, the kicker missed five kicks. Well, yeah, but the difference is. That Tannehill had the team let him down and still finished, what, fourth in the NFL in passing yards? According, well, fourth in passing by whatever metric they use on the bottom scroll of NFL Network. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the difference. You know, if Marcus had, I mean, he was trying to lift that team up to where, you know, come on, come on, come on, and still ended up being productive. And I think Mark, that's where Marcus struggled. Marcus wouldn't have been able to do that. Patrick is up next on the Titans. What's up, Patrick? Hey, I met you guys at Academy. I'm the the guy that graduated from Liberty Union High School in Brentwood, California. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I, I just, I was the guy that told you four years ago that in five years, Mariota would be out of the league. And I'm saying the same thing about Tannehill. Tannehill may be slightly better, but the Titans definitely want to make drafting a quarterback their highest priority unless some crazy things happens the rest of this year. If we're still making excuses, we gotta we gotta start looking at young people to develop. That's that's all I had. 
Thank you for the call. Patrick, Liberty Lion. That's the that's the Brentwood High School I graduated from. Yeah, isn't that the your favorite year of coaching was the one year you coached them? Tiny oh, I loved it. Tiny little well, it was tiny then. I don't know what it is now, but uh, but it's hard to find a lot of Liberty Lions that are out of Brentwood. <laughs> they don't exist in many places. So it was good to hear from Patrick. What about his call? What was the question? I was thinking Liberty. Floyd, the people want to talk to you. They don't want to. Know. I was interested in the Liberty Lions. John is up next. What's up, John? Hey guys. Hey Jared, you're right. Um, Tannehill, he's the man, and I know I think he's going to be our quarterback next year as well. But I wanted to ask you guys something. Um, this our the our offensive coordinator this year, Arthur Smith. I, I send this to, got, to give, give this to Floyd. I'm staying out of this. Okay, Arthur Smith. Uh, I think he's doing a good job, and I think if you look at how if you look at our coordinator we had last year. Um, isn't he doing better than the coordinator we had last year and the guy's uh, coach for Green Bay now? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's why, why is everyone mad about uh, Arthur? I don't understand why everyone's so mad about Arthur Smith. That's I just don't know how the fans can be mad at a guy. It's his first year. Uh, Tannehill's thrown for 300 yards for three games, every game. I mean, I don't understand it. And the only reason why um, our offense looks like crap is because we, we fumble the ball and hold. So... I, I'll tell you, thank you for your call, John. The reason the fans aren't happy with Arthur Smith is the same reason the fans aren't happy with Mike Vrabel. Why are the fans not happy with Mike Vrabel, Floyd? Because you're not winning. Because they ain't winning. That's, that's why. Uh, but that's not – people are making it sound like, you know, they're pulling these individuals out and kind of making it their fault. And that's what – and I'm talking about, you know, Arthur. And, and that's why – I don't – I mean, nobody's happy about anything that's going on. But, I mean, it's like I said about the game Sunday. I mean, who do you want to blame? You can blame anybody you want. Anybody. The ball boys, the trainers, the players, the coaches, the owners, the GM. Blame them all. When you play that bad, blame them all. Do you really blame the owner? Blame everybody. Do you really blame the owner? Sure. It's her team. I don't she's ultimately her. responsible. She's she's done a good job. And I, I think I think that that you know the, the, to the quality show. of the game hey. is the one that that determines you know whether or not they're happy. And and I understand it. I just don't. It's hard for me to to roll like that. So I it's hard for me to, to go the up and down and all around. Are you surprised by my lack of anger towards Arthur Smith? I mean, all the the offense isn't doing anything, or isn't got, doing enough. The fans, you can't say that. The well, fan, every I fan, can. all these fans call complaining about Arthur Smith. I, because they all complain, does that mean you have to complain? No, but well, what are you? You're proud. You're acting like you need deserve a medal because I feel you're like not... you should give me a pat on the back because <laughs> you, you always say you just say back. you just say <laughs> when everything's done work well, you just get mad and you All just right. complain to that guy. Good and job. Here I am saying, look, I don't know Good about Arthur job, Jared. Thank you. Way to go. Thank you. That's all I wanted there to hear from you. you. That's all I wanted to hear was good job, Jared. You know what? I, I need to have a talk with Sean and Jeremy and Sally, and I need to ask them, what was it like trying to get a well-deserved compliment from Floyd? Because obviously they, they are hard to come by. 
Let's go to uh, Shannon on Ryan Tannehill. What's up, Shannon? Hey, um, I'm with you on uh, on Tannehill. I think he's done a real good job. The uh, situation he was put in, and the questions beginning the year was, you know, about Davis and some of the receivers. They didn't look quite right, but now some of those has been answered as early. And uh, I think Smith done a pretty good job. And um, my thing with the game yesterday, even though what Floyd said was exactly right um, yesterday about, you know, you don't know what's going on when you watch the Panthers, uh, I think they should have ran Henry a little bit more than they did just for me. But I think Tannehill, for me, I'm with you. I think he did a terrific job. Uh, A lot of these receivers that you had, we had questions about, a lot of them has been answered, and I'll hang up and let you talk. Thank you for the call, Floyd. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think we feel better about the receiving group in total, and and I think part of that is because, I mean, the one thing Ryan is doing is if you're going to take the outside way, ball going inside. Take the inside guy's way, ball going outside. I mean, he's not. It's not perfect, but he's generally speaking putting the ball in the right place putting it in and giving them a position to catch it and maybe do something with it afterwards. More of your so. phones, plus my theory on Mike Vrabel and why games like Sunday seem to happen when he's the coach. We'll discuss that coming up next. Show us why you're the biggest Bama fan for a chance to win a cabin on the Crimson Tide Cruise February 10th through the 15th. The second annual Crimson Tide Cruise will set sail from New Orleans to Cozumel and Yucatan, Mexico on board the Carnival Valor. It's national championship worthy vacation with your favorite Alabama sports legends. Send us a picture by Twitter with the hashtag Bama Cruise or upload a pic at thegamenational.com. Book your cruise at crimsontidecruise.com and get $150 off with promo code GAME. Jared and the GM it's ESPN 1025, the game. We have to recognize when we see a look during the game that maybe somebody ran last week against us that, that might have worked that, you know, we, we, we prepared for and we've coached but maybe um, hadn't showed up as much on, um, you know, film where we just have to be ready. You know, if, hey, if there's five defensive linemen and they're all down in, the, you know, in a stance at the, at the line of scrimmage, you know, we, we have to reasonably expect that they're going to be some kind of game. There's going to be some kind of twist or pick game. So – that you continue to have carryover from week to week and just, just understand what's going on and how we're playing the game and the things that we have to do uh, and essentially the keys to the game um, for us to have success. And that was being able to block 59, you know, to put a hat on 59. And, and when we did that, we, we honestly gained yards and go back and track it. And, and when we didn't, for whatever reason, whether somebody missed a block or someone mis ID'd or there was some communication at the line of scrimmage, we didn't gain any yards. We knew that, you know, our ability to, to get down to the red zone and continue to score touchdowns was going to be a key. We just didn't get down there soon enough. That was Mike Vrabel talking about things. Hey, you know, these were our keys that we tried to preach to him and so on and so forth. I have a theory, Floyd, about Mike Vrabel. Okay. So I believe, like, I don't think Mike Vrabel is a good coach, but I don't think Mike Vrabel is a bad coach, if that makes you feel any better. That make me feel one way or the other. Okay. Like, I don't okay. think Vrabel is a terrible coach. I'm not convinced Vrabel's a good coach yet. But, I mean, he is what he is. I mean, I think that ultimately we'll look back and say they probably shouldn't have fired Mike Malarkey. But that's neither here nor there. But my theory with Vrabel is take a game like this coming Sunday against Kansas City. 
We have seen the Titans under Vrabel play games like this where we think they have no shot to win. And then they go in there and they play the butts off. Dallas, New England, Philadelphia, Houston with no players last year. I mean, they have done games. You look at it, you're like, oh, no way Titans are winning this week. And the Titans go out there and they put together a good game and they win. And then there are games where you look at it and you're like, God, you gotta have the Carolina game. Carolina is a decent team. Like, you gotta have this win. And then they go out there and they lay an egg at Indianapolis last year, uh, to Denver, Baltimore last year, where, where against a team that's, that's okay. I mean, they're not the, the Titans just aren't very good. And here's my theory Buffalo last year. Here's my theory Vrabel is a great motivator. And remember when they, when they brought him in and they said, leader of men. And so when the Titans are down and when people are down on them and their backs are against the wall, Vrabel is a great motivator. That he can rise this team up. Nobody believes in you. You guys can do it. You listen to this. You can do it. And he motivates them, and that's why they play so great against Patriots. But then when they're winning and they're 3-1 and one and they're playing the Buffalo Bills, a.k.a. last year, Vrabel can't keep them as motivated because when Vrabel was a player, he was uber self-motivated and didn't need Bill Belichick to fire him up or the coaches to fire him up before a game when they were 8-1 and one because he just internally was fired up for every game because that's what they do in New England. And he can't get that here because he never experienced that as a player. Just like how he says he can't evaluate a kicker or a quarterback or a running back because he's never been a coach of those positions and he's never played the position. I don't think he can understand how to motivate a team that is dealing with success because he was always motivated when he had success, regardless of whether or not he had success. And that's my theory on Mike Vrabel. And that's why the Titans can never continue success under his tenure as coach. Okay. Sounds like a pretty solid theory, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's based on real fact. <laughs> Draw it up. Put it in a book. So what, what's your theory on why this guy can't get this team to be consistent? I, don't, I told you yesterday, coaches do not inspire NFL players. I disagree. If you, you disagree. They always talk about Mike Vrabel being a leader right. of men. You, you go ahead and take it then. You can't tell me the coach doesn't inspire. You can't tell me the coach doesn't inspire the team. That's what the coach is supposed to do. And when they hired Vrabel, it was like he's a leader of men. That When I hear that, I, I think of the word inspiration. So they now, play hard for him, no? Did they play hard for him at Buffalo last year? I thought so. They played poorly. My whole thing is, for Vrabel, they come out there too often after they win games with their heads up their butts. And I think it's because he doesn't know how to coach a team that's had success. He knows how to coach a team that's down. He knows how to coach people when they're feeling their worst. He can elevate their game. But he can't take a team that's, at the, that's, that's doing well and continue to keep them motivated uh, over time. Okay. You can't tell me that you never motivated players when you were coaching. I, I, can't, I mean, I, you, you, you got it figured out. I don't know. You've never motivated I, a single I've player only, when you I've coached. only probably been in a thousand 
NFL locker rooms before games. And in halftime and after games. And during the week. And you've been in. I mean, I've been in the locker room before. You've been in before the game? You heard the coach talk to the team before the game? I mean, on TV? Uh, I would say no. That would be zero for you. Zero. (laughs) So... Uh, I'm I'm relying on your expertise. I'm not talking about the coach giving a rah-rah speech before the game. I'm talking about the coach during the week being able to keep the players focused on what they have to be able to do. Oh, that's not inspired. That's coaching. Well, he struggles with that. Coaching. When they're having success. Because when he was a player, he always was focused and motivated throughout the week, regardless of what they did the previous week. And he can't relate to these players who win a game and they're like, we won! And they take a little bit of a mental rest. That's my theory. To your phones. Good. Ball coach. Thank God we got Is up next. Off. Go ahead, ball coach. <laughs> hey, fellas. Good afternoon. So uh, I got to just, Floyd, humor me here. Got a few questions for you. So yes, sir. Who is the best player on offense? Everybody keeps telling us. Let's see if we can agree. Best player where? On offense. Uh, prob- for the year, probably Derek. Derek, okay. We can agree there. Everyone tells us that. Even our eyeballs tell right. us that. So you also say, I mean, we, we don't know the game plan, right? We're not in the meetings. We don't sit there and see the preparation. So we, we don't know the game plan, Correct. right? Okay, so we can only go off what we see and what we are told. What right. do we see? We see Henry get the ball two times in the first half. No, okay? but see, this is this is the problem with that. That you, that's not what you saw. That well, was, well, I was going to get to that. That was, I, that, that okay, was the ahead, stat sheet you saw. Mm-hmm. If you watched the game, you saw him get it more times than that. You also saw that there were no first and tens. That yes, everything yes, was, was second was, was and 10 and that. second and 15 and third yes. and 25. You're right. He got the ball and, and, and penalties uh, you know, ruined that momentum. But... Right. What we're told by the coaches, we have a lot of plays that we like, so therefore we're setting up these plays that we like on second and 20 to an ineffective player. So you're telling us we like setting up these plays not going to our best player on offense. You as the GM and the football guy have told us 22 is the best guy on this offense, so he's not getting the ball on second and 20. Second and 20? I mean, I mean, it's because he's dropped, you know, screen passes and stuff like oh, that, I mean, right? He can't, he can't catch. So on so, second so and Dion twenty, hasn't dropped screens this year. On second and twenty, you're trying to get the ball to somebody that can do something with it in and space. And Derrick Henry consistently does things with the ball, and Dion Lewis consistently does not. Do you know what Dion well, Lewis I, has not done? I am not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not defending any of the running backs. I don't. If it's I, second, I know, I if it's second twenty, second twenty, the running back's not getting the ball most of the time. The best player on offense isn't getting the ball. You can't. It's second and twenty. Well, you got, maybe this you goes got back no to the, chance. To the Smith thing. The maybe this o- goes back to what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. The only chance you have is you've got to try to pick to make up ten yards or whatever it is. So now it's third and ten, and third and ten is not. A great situation. I mean, we've already we went through this earlier in the year. Third and I think it was seven or eight and less, we converted like forty percent. Third and eight or more, we converted none. I mean, it was like ten percent, 
And that's why when you get you got a third and ten or a or a second and twenty, there are not a lot of options. There are there are no good plays for those situations. All you're doing is you're trying to get back as much as you can get back because you know you're already in trouble. I mean, you look down the play sheet and you get to second and twenty, and there'll be you know three or four plays, and you're praying you know that you never ever have to get to the point that you use those things. You've got them because you know it it pops up. But, I mean, you don't want it every series or every other play like we were going through. It's being like how we could talk That's, today about Bob Stoops in Florida State, but what would we rather talk about? The Titans, the Predators, Alabama, LSU. But if we have to talk about Bob Stoops in Florida State, we can talk about Bob Stoops in Florida State. Is that kind of how it's similar in that regard? We can talk about baseball if we have to. Probably not going to. But it is available for us to talk about baseball. Oh, sure. We need to we talk, talk about talk baseball. About we can do it. We don't want to use Dion Lewis, but but we can. Keith is up next here on Jared and the GM. What's up, Keith? Hi, guys. I'd have to say that Derrick Henry probably catches the ball as well as our, right, our uh, wide receivers do. I mean, he doesn't drop it <laughs> any more than they do. You know. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'd also like to comment about J-Rob. Uh, I mean... Our, our main problem seems to be our offensive line, and yet last year when he had the opportunity to draft offensive linemen, he only drafted one, and I don't understand that, and I'll hang up and listen. Thank you for the call, Floyd. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't— Derrick Henry cannot catch. I don't I mean, know what happened, but I th- I'm just—my gut tells me that in the second round— he, there was somebody out there that he probably liked. And then when Brown was still there in the second round, and this happens to you. I mean, he was such a good player. And he said, I just can't pass up on this guy. You know, he is too good a player. Whether he's a running back or a receiver or a corner or, a, you know, it doesn't matter. If you have a guy that's uh, that's uh, a middle to late first rounder that sh- that's sitting there you know, and your pick it and uh, in the the 51. second round, fifty one, fifty first pick. I mean, you just can't pass on that guy, and so you end up taking him instead of drafting for need. Which I I understand it's hard for a lot of the public to to appreciate that and understand it, but it is the best move, and you end up with the best player ultimately. Well, the problem is if you don't take that guy. I mean, J. Rob, let's not. I mean, let's be honest. J-Rob got caught with his pants down at right guard. I mean, he, you know, kicker, you could argue wasn't his fault. I'm not going to, but you could. But he really got caught with his pants down at right guard. Little one thing, the little one thing would have been manageable if right guard wasn't a train wreck and Saffold wasn't a train wreck because Kelly did a good job. And we know Kelly does a good job. But J-Rob got, when he cut Josh Klein, he thought he was going to have a replacement. And he really didn't, and thus got caught with his pants down. Uh, but if you don't draft A.J. Brown, and let's say, I don't know where they had A.J. Brown on the board, but, I mean, we heard from a lot of people that thought A.J. Brown was going in the first round. And oh, so, yeah. and A.J.'s been a good player. So, I mean, I see a lot of things from A.J. that I like. Let's say J-Rob has A.J. Brown ranked as, like, the 17th best player in this draft, and you're sitting at 51. You're not going to take the 17th best player in this draft with the 51st pick, when you think of the value? Because if you don't take A.J. Brown there, and I don't know, Indianapolis does, 
Now you're doubly porked. Oh, yeah. Because Indianapolis has A.J. Brown. So I, I can't begrudge J-Rob for that. Uh, I do think they probably made a mistake in drafting a tackle from Charlotte to play right guard right away in the NFL. That's probably where the biggest mistake was. Outside well, of interesting Pam Field. That was the biggest mistake. With the starting job. Yeah, they, they thought they had a guy that was going to step right in, in Panfield. And and it's not, you know, he's a guy, he's a veteran guy, he's played, he's started, he's, and so you're kind of counting on him, and you figure, okay, Panfield will take over and play until the young guy beats him out, whenever that is, and uh, and I'll be okay. But no, Panfield is a no-show on you. So now you're in trouble. More calls plus a Preds thought from last night I want to get to. We haven't done that yet. 615-737-1025. Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. We're streaming on the Game National app. Mantha comes over in across the line to his left. Got a shot into the skates there of Hamus. Knocks it down behind the net. And that's going to do it. The Nashville Predators win this one here tonight. 6-1. Coach, what do you make of that second period? Yeah, it was... It was good. There wasn't there wasn't a whole lot going out on out there in the first period. You know, we're down one nothing, and five on five, we only gave up a couple chances. We we only generated a few chances. It was just tight, and so in the second period, we were able to find more pucks going to the net and people going to the net, and able to cash in and score some goals. That was Peter Laviolette talking about the Predators' win last night. They lit it up in the second period. Floyd, what do we t- do? We is there any takeaway from Latson last night's game other than the Predators just caught on fire against an awful Detroit team last yeah, night? Yeah, Detroit's not very good. I mean, the first period was kind of non-existent. You know, it was just kind of bouncing around, and then all of a sudden in the second period, here comes this Predator wave, and it just killed them. You know, I mean, they play. And the great part was, I mean, again, you know, the in my opinion. The guys that are scoring, you know, you're getting—I mean, across the board kind of scoring, and there are some of the top line guys you wish were scoring a little bit more. But I mean, you—you you know, you get Sissons, you get Benino, you get all the guys that uh, Benino's been on fire. I mean, he's killing it. So uh, I think you have to be really, really excited about all that. And Pekka, of course, Pekka was just outstanding. Which Pekka, generally speaking, is you know you talk about consistency in in, in a business that's not consistent. I mean, he's about as consistent a player as you can find. Three goals in four minutes and thirty four seconds last night. The power play is firing on all cylinders. Twice. Pekka according to Adam Vingan uh, from the NHL, Pekka improved to eight zero and two through ten games and became the first goaltender in NHL history to post a season-opening point streak of at least 10 games at age 36 or older. So that's pretty impressive. Here's the other thing about last night's game. Today is the two-year anniversary of the trade for Kyle Turris, which happened on a Sunday when the Titans played the Colts, and Derrick Henry saved the— No, that was the Greg Schiano thing. Anyway, it happened on a Sunday when the Titans played a game— and everybody wanted to talk about the Kyle Turris trade and that Turris was coming in to save the day. And it, for a long stretch of time, that Kyle Turris trade looked like the worst trade in the history of the Nashville Predators. In the fact that you gave Colorado 
just you, you essentially gave Colorado the number four overall pick in this draft, plus a top four defenseman for years to come in, Ch- in Sam Girard, and you took on Turris's contract. Turris is actually playing pretty well. You know, he's actually playing okay. So you look back at the Kyle Turris trade, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I probably still would have done it, but, but it's not killing you like it used to in the past. And Turris again scored another goal last night. Again. Turris is lighting it up. As Adam Vingan points out, last year the Predators had 12 games on the, over the course of the entire season where they scored five goals. It is November 5th. They have seven games this year where they've scored five goals. So, I mean, I don't know if there's anything specific to take away from this game other than they went to Detroit, they did what they were supposed to do, and now they're off to Vail or wherever they are. And, <laughs> I, you know, I, again, I don't know, but I just I was very impressed by last night's second period, very impressed by the performance, and there are a lot of things to feel good about this team that even when they lose two in a row, I just brush it off and I'm okay with it. Let's go back to your phones on the Titans. 615-737-1025. Carl, up next on the Titans. Thank you for calling. What's up, Carl? Yeah, man. Uh, I was just – Marcus was – he was doing real good. He was a real good quarterback until he hit the, had that big injury on Christmas Eve in Jacksonville three or four years ago. Up until that point, Marcus was a different quarterback. Ever since then, man, it's like he's just went down here more and more and more and lost his confidence. But, look, I got to agree with you about the Tannehill stuff. When Tannehill's in the game, you feel like you got a chance. And when Marcus was in there, once he got to a certain point, it was just like you knew it was over no matter what. But Marcus was just act like he would just give up. I never, Carl, thank you for your call. I never really felt like they never had a chance when Mario played quarterback. In fact, I think they had a chance in a lot of games when Mario played quarterback, and then they didn't make the play or they did make the play, and you know, you either won or lost that way. I will agree with you on this, though, which is where I think you were going, and that is that Marcus, in my opinion, seemed to be affected by previous throws, that he would be afraid. You know, once he'd have a couple bad throws to start a game, I'd almost be like, well, that's it for Marcus. He's done for today. He's not going to be able to pull his head out of his rear end here. Tannehill makes a bad throw. It doesn't affect Tannehill on any future throw that he makes. Tannehill gets sacked, and he's not dodging ghosts on the next play. That is a big difference, in my opinion, between the two quarterbacks. Well, Tannehill's, Tannehill makes good decisions, and he's accurate, more accurate. He makes quicker, better decisions than Marcus did, uh, and and the ball is placed more accurately. So he's, you know, he's got a reason to be, feel confident, and he should. You know, if he mess one up, it's you know, it, it's okay everywhere. Every quarterback in football, I don't care who you are, periodically you've got one of those bad throws. And recognize it, okay? Bad pass, my fault. All right, well, go on to the next one. And as long as you can go ahead and throw another eight or ten passes that are accurate and good passes, then, you know, that one is not going to kill you. 615-737-1025. Huge college football week. Alabama LSU coming up. Plus, there are some big names and some big jobs. We'll discuss in college football. We'll discuss that coming up next. Jared and the GM. Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. They are proud supporters of the Nashville Predators. I promise you they loved all those goals last night. Why? Because they believe in this community. That's why they're such an integral part of it. 
I love the fact that I use Hiller at my home. So if anything goes wrong, I go right on my phone to happyhiller.com and I schedule an appointment easy as pie. You can do the same. Even if you've never used Hiller before, it is as simple as going to happyhiller.com and it honestly takes less than five minutes for you to figure it out. That's why a lot of people love using Hiller. The convenience, the expertise, and of course, true transparency pricing. That is what Hiller has that the other guys do not. True transparency pricing. No hidden fees or special rates. It tells you right then and there what you're paying for and why you're paying for it. That's one of the many reasons that I love using Hiller. Plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical. Proud supporters of both the Nashville Predators and the Tennessee Volunteers. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game.